Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Could paranormal parasites take physical form and live among us? What are angels? Are they always good? Hello and welcome to the 920th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Uh, I am Ben, coming to you from WOON AM and FM Radio in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, on the Paranormal Radio app, from TalkStream Live and on YouTube, and via TuneIn.com. And those calm, cosmic questions came from my co-host, partner in Paranormal Adventures, and dad, Paul. And today we bring you a rare appearance by a novelist, uh, some of whose research parallels our own. Dina Ray is a novelist near Dallas, Texas. She has been quoted as saying that researching the science, history, the unexplained, uh, the theolo- and theology behind her stories is the most enjoyable part of writing them. Dina has been prominent in the media, social and otherwise. She also reports an interest in UFOs, New World Order, government conspiracies, political intrigue, cults, the, big, the, the biblical Nephilim, and vampirism. And so, Dina Ray, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Thanks so much for having me on. Well, it's great, to, great to have you. So, I guess we'll just we'll we'll hop right into it uh, because we don't like to beat around the bush. So, your latest novel wastes no time uh, getting into some graphic details with Andal, uh, your main antagonist. What kind of creature is he, and what does he indicate um, that you have a very low opinion of angels? <laughs> Well, I uh, wrote the novel, and uh, even though it's fiction, it's based on uh, Nephilim stories and Enoch and uh, all of it. And um, it's one of those things that once you get going, all of a sudden you're into all kinds of texts that stray from the Bible as well. But nonetheless, uh, there obviously was a flood at some point at the beginning of Civilization, and apparently angels were either kicked out or commissioned to uh, watch human beings. And that's what inspired me. Uh, Armoros is a minor angel. He's not um, a big one like Azazel. He, um, his, his thing was, uh, what's the word, uh, resolving enchantments, which apparently in witchcraft means you're controlling someone on the battlefield. So that is his theme, so to speak. He um, controls others. So um, Azazel is kind of the leader of this group of watchers, and they descended upon Mount Hermon, uh, according to Enoch anyway, and uh, that's kind of what inspired me to get the book going. Now let's give a little background here uh, because we're talking about material that's in the book of Genesis and sometimes in Deuteronomy as well. Uh, in Genesis there are references to the Nephilim or Nephilim sometimes pronounced and these are supposed to be the the uh, uh, result of uh, mating between angels and humans. And the question is, well what are angels doing doing that? So uh, the question, this is where a lot of the, uh, the ancient alien theorists come in and say, uh, these had to be visitors from somewhere or somewhere else. And the question in my mind, well, if they were aliens, then how did the DNA match up? You have to have almost matching DNA in order to breed like that. So that's a big question. Now, um, if I remember my Hebrew, uh, 
nephil, essentially, it's usually translated as giants, and uh, the, the Bible refers to these were the heroes who were of old, I mean, whatever that means. Uh, but giants, I actually, in Hebrew, it, it, I would read it more like tyrants, you know, and as, as Dina said, you know, controlling kind of people. And uh, the e- I am at the end is simply the plural ending of the word. And so Nephilim uh, would be uh, more than one of them, uh, maybe too many of them, uh, depending on your experience. Um, so th- that's just uh, some backgrounds. What do you say about about that? Do you think that that's a, 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 a these are labels we put on these beings? Uh, did they really exist? And uh, how does an angel mate with a human? Well, that's a great question. And uh, uh, according to uh, Enoch, they lusted after human women, and they could somehow shape shift into men. And um, I, in uh, one of the ancient writings in uh, Ethiopia. They mated and got women pregnant, and uh, the babies were, in fact, giants. They split open the women's wound and uh, killed the women uh, once they were born. So, yes, they were giants. Uh, A lot of them supposedly had six fingers, six toes. We learned that later on in the Bible with Goliath. And uh, you're talking about the ancient aliens. Well, they go more with the Sumerian legend with uh, Anunnaki, who were, again, supposedly giants or Nephilim, whichever you prefer to use. So we've got a lot of different writings that suggest there were giants. And if there were giants, it kind of answers the question of how the pyramids were built, how um, the... um, uh, uh, the Tower of Babylon could have been built with no technology back in there in those days. We have great strength, great heights, and uh, we had a lot of cities that just popped up out of nowhere. Uh, these these uh, angels also gave. Uh, we went um, through a period of like from caveman to you know beautiful cities all over the Middle East. How did that happen? Where did we get all of this knowledge dumped to us at once? Well, whether you follow ancient alien theory or the Bible, the fallen angel Mount Hermon theory really covers that well with the angels telling everybody secrets from heaven. And uh, voila, we've got, you know, civilization as we know it today. Well, excuse me. One of the uh, interesting points, uh, it popped into my mind as I was reading this, uh, was from, of all things, the Muslim Quran, uh, which actually talks about the Virgin Mary more than the Bible does. Uh, and when it comes to the what the Christians refer to as the Annunciation, or Angel Gabriel or, uh, or Jabril, as the, in Arabic, uh, appears to the Virgin Mary uh, or and and says uh, what he says, you know, he's going to bear the the son uh, going to bear Jesus Christ. Um, in the Quran, it says he takes the form of a very attractive man. So here's an angel transforming himself into a man, according to the story anyway, and appearing to Mary. And, of course, the uh, implication uh, being that um, she, she was attracted to him, etc. So uh, that, that, in a way, is another arrow in the quiver of your argument, I suppose, if you're looking at that, that point of view. So, as far as, um, uh, there, there's also the, the, the Rephaim as well, 
the, they were also giants. They're, they're referred to, they come up in Deuteronomy. Uh, so you have the Nephilim and the Rephaim. That translates more or less as the terrible ones. Almost like, and they, they were also those who were in Sheol, almost like ghosts. So, um, I think I, it's, I, I'm sorry, but go ahead. I think it's important to, to point out that <clears throat> a lot of other cultures had similar types of stories. Great, perfect example, mm-hmm. Greek mythology, right? So, you know, uh, Gaia, one of the titans, um, often associated with the powers of nature, all of her children were giants, and they were imprisoned underneath the earth in in under even further than Hades, I believe, is actually the thing. And her whole thing was she got all upset and released the giants onto the earth, which then has the Greek version of fighting giants, also known as Gigantomachy. There's also a thing that's pointed out in uh, Deuteronomy, where the uh, where the the Hebrews they go to the Spartans of all people, and they say, "Hey, we have a common cause here. We have common ancestry. You know, let's go fight giants, basically." <laughs> And I, I, there's all these like weird little things that I think people tend to miss uh, in in you know in all these these ancient documents. And there's also another fun thing um, where if if anybody's thinking, wow, you know, this is weird. Why have I never heard this before? Why why aren't there any historical figures that are ever pointed out? And you know, one of the one of the groups that's pointed out, I forget if it's in Deuteronomy or not, is the um, the Amalekites, right? Yeah. Uh, or the or is it or it's the Amorites? Either either or, and essentially they were the Hittites, right? And the most famous of the Hittites being Hammurabi, and Hammurabi was really really big into this whole thing, and supposedly he had one of these Anunnaki as one of his advisors. And there's there's all these these little things that I think we tend to miss as good old modern materialists, where we we look at a situation and we say, all right. It's either complete superstition, it's all hooey, it's all ridiculous, right? You know, they, they just, they saw a rainstorm or there was a fire and they, you know, they were dumb, dumb, dumb primitives. They didn't have electricity, so they had no idea. So then the next natural step is, oh, well, okay, so if they're dumb dumbs and don't know what electricity is, then therefore aliens did it. I think, I think there's something deeper in there. There's something, there's something that's ingrained in, in all of humanity where we crave something that's not seen and there's a, there's a, there's a, a portion of reality that we sometimes interact with that we 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 can't tell what it is and instead of everything being flattened out in a, in a in a sort of a three-dimensional way there's that that fourth portion of it that we do not interact with that i th- i think is sort of the key to this mystery uh, you you talk about uh, Hammurabi and again he was accredited with the Code of Hammurabi, mm. the first attempt at a legal system, so to speak. So what made society think that we need some kind of system to get along? Again, um, who's giving them these kinds of ideas? Because they're very higher order type of thinking for the time period. And... Um, it, I think it all goes back to these angels that if you want to call them aliens, you want to call them angels, whichever, they were really whispering in the ears of whoever wanted to listen to advance society. Well, there's also a really interesting theme in a lot of other mythologies as well, where control over the world 
you know, through through human means is a really big deal, right? So, like, um, you know, one of I, I've pointed this out several times, but it's a really great illustrator of of how, let's say, you know, lowercase g gods, angels, whatever you want you want to call them, they how they interact with us. Um, Plato and Socrates are having a dialogue, and Plato says, "Oh, it's so great." That um, Horace gave gave writing to the Egyptians, you know, because without writing we wouldn't, you know, we we could write down all of our ideas, our memories. And Socrates says, "Well, that's great, but then we're not going to remember things." And there's a, it's even pointed out in in one Enoch that you know all this technology is given to us, but we're not ready for it yet. So like you know the so he calls <laughs> he calls certain things magic um, up to and including music, culture. Uh, cosmetics that's that's all magic meant to entice and it's all these things that we just don't have the wisdom to be able to use and it's all these things that are given to us and we try to to sort of you know control the world around us it's really fascinating um a bunch of tablets were discovered under ugarit and if you there's there's some colleges that are even giving out scholarships to learn you know ugaritic because nobody can read it, so you know, only a few people can, so they're giving out scholarships so you can learn it, so you can translate these tablets. And 90% of them are like ledgers, accounting, ships manifests, and it's all very boring stuff, right? <laughs> you know. But here's the thing. It may seem boring, right? But if you think about it, how much of the stuff that we've written are accounting, ledgers, things that keep track and control over the world around us the way that we achieve perfection as humans is by exercising our control over the world around us through these tools that have been given to us right whether we're ready for them or not i'd argue i don't think we are at all perfect example the nuclear bomb it's it's a it's a tool that we we have you know i'm not going to argue that it was given to us from outside means but i would say that it's the next logical step of being given weapons, right? Or being or learning metallurgy, right? Which is one of the things that's considered magic by Enoch. It's metallurgy is considered, you know, whatever, right? You know, most old school blacksmiths, let's say, you know, in Rome would pray to Vulcan and then they would, you know, go and go and, you know, make a make a sword or something or, you know, a horseshoe or whatever. But here's a lot of the stuff is double-edged, right? It's all ambiguous stuff, but we don't have the ability to <laughs> really discern whether it's good or bad or not, right? Well, in a way, that kind of leads us into this discussion of Dina's uh, most recent novel, uh, Peacock's Pedestals and Prayers. It was all part of the plan. Now, uh, yes, and uh, this is her eighth novel, I believe, right, Dina? Yes. And uh, congratulations on that. It came out in yes. August, I believe. Uh, now, I am more of a devotee in fiction of uh, 18th, uh, 19th century English novels. Now, when I started reading your book, I didn't expect Jane Austen, okay? But uh, I was uh, rather taken aback by how hard-hitting it is from Chapter 1. Uh, you, you've got the, the, this uh, Armoros, I guess, the, the who calls himself Andel, uh, who was uh, obviously centuries old. He's some sort of angel, but he's a vampiristic and cannibalistic angel. So... To tell us what historical background uh, led you to create that character and how you uh, how you developed it. Oh uh, well, thank you. Uh, where I'm getting this whole vampire tie-in with angels starts with Cain uh, from the Bible, the brother 
uh, Cain and Abel. He uh, just, it, I'm sure you all heard of him, but maybe your listeners just a quick refresh. He he's the one that killed his brother because they uh, gave God some offerings. He gave God, I think, his harvest, and Abel gave God uh, an, an animal. And um, God made a big deal about Abel's offering and um, I don't uh, insulted Cain's offering. And so that supposedly sparked jealousy, and that's the reason why uh, Cain killed his brother. Uh, in the Muslim uh, Quran, he supposedly there was more going on between these two brothers. They wanted to marry the same girl. Uh, her name, I think, was uh, Aklama. And uh, it appeared that God wanted... Um, able to marry this girl. She's very beautiful, rich, the whole thing. And Cain was upset about that as well. Uh, again, there, there's two different sources. Uh, but anyway, he after he killed his brother, he was banished. But this is where the vampire tie-in uh, happens. He um, leaves, uh, he, he winds up in the land of Nod, but um, before all that, he wanders for many years, and he somehow meets up with Lilith. Now, Lilith is not in the regular Bible, but she appears in ancient sacred Jewish Jewish texts, and she supposedly was Adam's first wife. And if you read the Bible, it it, it there's an uh, inference that Eve was Adam's first wife. That's right, uh, and his only wife, and. Um, Apparently not, to other uh, sources. So he meets up with this Lilith, who uh, in witchcraft, she's a, a big thing. Um, uh, there's a Lilith fair. She has some kind of symbolism going on with uh, women's rights. Some kind, today In today's world, she has something to do with lesbianism. I'm, I'm not sure how that ties in, but that's, that's where we're at right now. And uh, he... They have an affair, and they um, open each other up, so they're bleeding, and um, they drink each other's blood, hence vampirism. And somewhere between before, uh, when, when Cain gets kicked out of Eden and he is roaming, God puts uh, the mark of Cain on him, and he can never die. So that's, you know, again, another vampire tie-in. And um, supposedly Bram Stoker did a lot of this research, and this is kind of uh, leading up to his Dracula character. But the, uh, then he had, was visited by three angels, and they gave him a, three chances to repent. And all three of those chances, he said no. So some things... Uh, they, they kind of made it worse for him, like um, he had an aversion to sunlight, hence the vampire uh, tie-in. And um, he, you know, couldn't die. But he does, he does die many hundreds of years later, but he couldn't die in an aversion to sunlight. And he had these uh, a couple other vampire things were um, uh, cursed onto him. So... Um, he does have a son named Enoch, which is not the Enoch from the Watchers. However, there, his, Cain's line of descendants 
have very, very, very similar names to Seth, who is um, Adam's next son, to Seth's descendants. So some people, there, there are theories going around that Enoch, the one that um, talked to the Watcher Angels, is the same as Cain's son Enoch. Even though the, the times don't match, the names are just, um, there's too much similarities with um, the names of descendants. So um, I, I'm kind of rambling, sorry. Uh, that's how the whole vampire thing ties in, um, starting with Cain and drinking blood. So no, that, 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 that makes sense, yeah. Uh, just a, a little bit of background for the audience. Um, anything uh, like, like the Book of Enoch, and of course we always get jokes, oh, Eno, E-N-O, and E-N-O-C-H, it must be related. So uh, at this point in, in the time, any, everybody on the planet would have been descended from the guy. But the point being that... Uh, the, the books of the known as the Apocrypha are books that were not included in the official Bible. In Ethiopia, it is. Oh, the, yes. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah, know. yeah. Yes. Ethiopia, the Book of Jubilees, and the Book of Enoch. Well, e one Enoch is included okay. in in the in the canon. But Enoch, well, thank you, but I didn't know that. I'm the yes. one who was in the, spent ten years in the seminary. Uh, anyway, uh, the. Um, Book of Enoch is very interesting, and I'm sure that uh, that Dina can uh, expand on this. Uh, you have Enoch who was a sort of um, uh, go-between, uh, sort of between the native population, which would have been presumably our remote ancestors, uh, who were pretty much uh, very primitive at the time, and uh, the Most High, who, depending on wh- whether you're reading Genesis or the Karsag epics or, or other contemporary documents, lived either a, on an island in the sky or in a very high mountain. And these, um, uh, I don't know, well, I guess you'd call them angels today, uh, took him aboard a craft and, you know, whisked him off on uh, uh, jaunts to see uh, the Most High. And uh, he would look down from the craft and describe uh, in detail the the, the, uh, bad, I guess the the bad ones who had mated with women who were condemned to the... uh, what sounds to me like the Rift Valley that runs from the Middle East all the way down to Kenya, and all this sort of thing. And then, uh, but the, the, when they put the Bible together, the, the uh, Council of Nicaea in 325 A.D., at least the, the Christian Bible, they thought this was too weird to put in. They almost didn't put in the Book of Revelation at the at the end uh, of the New Testament because it was too strange. But they did. Uh, but anyway, that, that's just a little background. So, Dina, um, how would the Book of Enoch, what's your take on that and, and what uh, the physicality of the angels who are reported in, in these books? I mean, that angels are supposed to be spirits, but, but these are all, these Nephilim and all are all very physical. What say you? Well, uh, again, uh, I know a lot of people kind of think this is mumbo-jumbo. Like, how can uh, a spirit take on uh, a, a being? Well, we know today that we can edit genes. So if you can edit your gene in a way to become a spirit, why couldn't you edit your gene in a way to become a, a physical being? So some they, they all chose to be men, at least in Enoch. There's other writings that, that include women in, in this group. But for the most part, most people agree that they shape-shifted into men, or I'm going to say genetically altered themselves into men and 
this is where it gets very confusing, at least for me in my research, because this uh, group that called the Watchers or Grigori were supposedly commissioned to watch over humanity. Uh, however, there's a lot of back and forth with how the, there's supposedly 200 of them. There's a lot of back and forth with some of these people are were not commissioned. They were fallen angels or kicked out. So I'm not really sure. It sounds like a mixture of the two. And uh, they saw human women and they supposedly um, fell in love and lusted them and took them to Mount Hermon where these sexual encounters took place. And that's where Enoch met them. And he took them to uh, the different levels of heaven. And uh, Enoch never died. They said that he just, he was alive and never died. And he went, uh, he walked straight, straight to heaven. And he was a righteous guy. But again, back to Cain's offspring, he had a son named Enoch. And they called him Enoch the Evil. And he encountered with watchers too. So there's just, it's, there's so many similarities between the different versions of stories. You start to wonder, are, 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 is Enoch one and the same? And I know you were talking earlier about Greek mythology. A lot of people think that Enoch was Hermes. So, uh, it, um, and Thoth. So, he got around the different uh, cultures in um, the Middle East back in the day, for sure. Um, anyway, he's the great-grandfather of Noah, and that's kind of where the whole thing started, where these watchers were uh, uh, reproducing giant after giant after giant after giant, and supposedly that ticked God off to the point where he brought the great flood. Now, um, it says in Genesis that he says something like uh, Noah and his family were the only ones left who were pure of heart or, or just pure. So uh, in church, by, and by the way, I go to church uh, pretty much every Sunday. I mean, I'm not perfect about it, but I'm an avid churchgoer, Bible group. Never, never has uh, the pastor ever talked about Nephilim? And I, I I don't know why. They're in the Bible quite a few times. So, um, anywho, in uh, Genesis, it says that Noah was pure. Okay, well, that's interpreted as pure of heart. But I think it means genetically pure because based on other writings as well as the Bible, the entire globe of civilization was just infected with all of these Nephilim, and uh, God did not, uh, he did not want that for us, so he, he wiped them out. But this is where it gets really interesting. Okay, so there was the flood. Okay, then how, after the flood, we've got all of these new stories about Nephilim. So they weren't destroyed? What happened? Where did they go? Where did they hide? Did, or did the fallen angels come back to Earth and repopulate the Nephilim? We've got, there's a lot of unanswered stories with their demise, and then they come back, and then they um, disappear again in the times of Saul and David. So, 
I think there's enough writing to suggest that, yeah, they were here for sure. But then on the other side of the coin, what happened to them? And um, a lot of people have all kinds of theories about that, that a lot of people think uh, remnants of them uh, are part of secret societies. Uh, there's, of course, the Basque population with the RH uh, negative and uh, O blood in um, uh, France slash Spain. There's, um, it's, it's really fascinating. And it's, it was one of those things for me that once I started with maybe just Genesis, it took me down a rabbit hole of endless uh, information that seemed to contradict each other, but then it also matched up at the same time. Okay, well, uh, at that point, let's take our mid-show break. And you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WON 1240 AM, 99.5 FM in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley with our fascinating guest, Dina Ray. We'll be right back. The night is alive. Join us and take a walk on the weird side when you tune in to The Kingdom of Nye, hosted by Heather Wade, the finest in late-night talk. Listen live free weeknights starting at 9 p.m. Pacific time at thekingdomofnigh.com, talkstreamlive.com, and the Paranormal Radio app. Want to take a ride? Local and live at 99.5 FM. Okay, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WON 1240 AM and FM. And our guest today, Dina Ray, a rare appearance by a novelist, uh, but she is fact-based. That's why she's here. And we have a question uh, from uh, Peter in Bogota, Colombia. Okie dokie. And Peter writes to us, uh, Can you explain your creative process of writing novels? Do you start the process by inventing characters first, or do you prefer to work uh, especially in the beginning? Oh, well, thanks for the question. Uh, I tend to write novels based on um, uh, uh, theories and uh, biblical lore. Um, I, I'm a bi- huge, really in the New World Order, and uh, Freemasonry, secret, other secret societies. And I kind of take what I've learned and I fictionalize it to make it into a story. So um, it's not, when, I, when I'm writing a story, it's not really about the characters or the fiction about it. It's about the information and uh, the research, and I try to make it interesting so that um, the average reader wouldn't feel that they're they're getting a, a history dump. They just they're reading a, a story and it's fun, and but they're learning at the same time how uh, all of these things came to be. So that for me, it's really the research that has me uh, forming a story. Um, of how it could play out, of how it could be in modern day, of how it was at, um, at the beginning of time. For me, it's the research sparks the story ideas, and then um, the characters kind of come afterwards. And uh, I am I'm, I'm a high school teacher, uh, and I I'm an English teacher too. So uh, I you know I I do love reading. I, that's uh, one of my biggest passions. Okay. We have a, a, an additional question from Peter that just came in. And he, uh, he writes, is that, it's, it's a good question, and it's a, it's a fun one, too. Uh, uh, for Dina, where is the fossil record for all these giants if they were real? <laughs> yeah, the, he asked the easy well, question. That was the hard one. 
Well, I, I mean, certain conspiracy shows have them. So, I, you know, I don't know. Uh, again, that's one of those, you know, Ripley's Believe It or Not type of a question. Um, uh, there's, that's a great question. I, I wish I could answer that. Uh, but we've got too many ancient writings to suggest that everybody was making this up. Well, uh, we can help you on that one, maybe in Fall River, Massachusetts, right, uh, sort of in uh, the edge of our listening area here. We, there was supposedly a giant skeleton found, uh, and but you know, but it, uh, it, there are some issues about whether it was legitimate or not. But well, there's also um, very recently discovered uh, there was a ziggurat found. Uh, it was it was dug up by archaeologists, and inside there was a bronze bed. And it was 15 feet long, 10 feet high, huge, completely huge. Um, and the significance of this bed, because you're like, okay, cool, well, what's the point, right? Um, in Deuteronomy, there is King Og, king of Bashan. Really, really, really a big, big deal. Uh, like the first sentence of Deuteronomy says, you know, the defeat of Og, you know, king of Bashan. And it's even in, um, for all of our Orthodox listeners out there, there's a, there's a piece of hymnography that I think is usually sung around Good Friday, um, which says, you know, Og has been defeated, something to that effect. And it's a big deal because tradition tells us that Og was a giant. Um, and, you know, at that point it was like it seemed like some sort of piety thing, like, okay, cool, yeah, whatever, you know, it's some sort of bit of, of myth, you know, who cares. But the discovery of Og's bed um, in this location, the exact same size as was described, 15, it was... Uh, 10 cubits by 5 cubits, which was roughly the length of your forearm to your middle finger. Uh, sometimes there was the king's cubit. It shows that, okay, so this bed was real. So what's, you know, was, what, what's the point, right? There's all sorts of people that will say, okay, well, you know, you know, one of our, we had a, we did a show on the Adena culture a while ago here in, in the United States and, um, nor, North America and South America of these, these sort of, this giant tribe of, um, indigenous people who were sort of like you know they they were the big the big shots big deal um you know you talk to some some natives you know they'll they'll tell you about graves of giants right you know even i i heard recently um there's a bunch of legends in romania uh, where giants are buried you know they'll talk about vampires werewolves you know these little villages middle of nowhere and they'll just you know talk about like, oh yeah yeah right over there you can find find graves of giants you know all this all this stuff they these these things exist in our cultures for whatever reason, right? Now, who knows if giants were really a thing or if it was just sort of a symbol for something because it wasn't necessarily like, okay, well, they were really big, maybe, uh, depending on your translation of whatever document you're reading, but that they were a type of person, right? Someone who was not quite human, right? Um. To, to just piggyback on what you just uh, talked about, that's interesting that you're talking about Og because he was supposedly uh, a Nephilim and he was the first that we know about to survive the flood. And uh, it's also been written about him that he survived by uh, hanging onto a ladder from Noah's Ark. That's how uh, he he survived. And supposedly oh, his, his angelic, father was none other than the most famous of the watchers the leader azazel mm. so interesting i never knew that well uh on that note uh i will get back into the book here um now regardless of his uh, physical stature uh Amaros is the uh 
I was this what kind of struck my funny bone is the head of an advertising agency, <laughs> you know, and, uh, uh, which leads me to the question: Do you see whoever, whatever these beings are or were, uh, still active in some way, either physically or spiritually or both, in the modern world? Um, that's I mean that's a great question. It, it they seem to have had in the past united to um, have a common goal, and that is to wipe the uh, Israeliites off of the face of the planet. And uh, it starting with David, uh, David and Goliath. David could have been a target for for all we know because um, he picked up five stones in that story, and all he needed was one. So there were other. Uh, Nephilim uh, back in those days that he was expecting to see. Um, it seems like they, their whole entire goal has been to stop the uh, messianic line uh, for Jesus. So are they still around? Well, Jesus came. So, yeah, they're definitely uh, still around. But um, what makes me, uh, of all of this research, what to me is the most confusing is this whole war in heaven uh, in Revelation, which, um, first of all, we all kind of think that the war in heaven happened uh, before Adam. But we, when we read Job, we've got uh, Satan uh, back and forth from heaven to earth uh, with Job. So it couldn't have happened before humans. So in Revelation, it says that um, that the, um, uh, uh, Lucifer, Satan, uh, wanted to be God, and uh, he and a, a third of all stars or a third of uh, angels tried to overthrow God and were sent to this earth. Well, I guess my question is, did, did that happen back in the day um, in, um, before humankind? even though it appears that it didn't, or is that about to happen, or did it recently happen? When were these angels, these fallen angels, put down here? And um, I guess that, that's where the modern-day tie-in is. Do we have demons walking the earth now? Uh, maybe they're not giants. They would obviously stand out way too much, but are they just regular-looking people and... Um, I guess I, I'm, I'm starting to ramble. I apologize, but no, no. that is was one of my biggest questions that I had when um, writing this book. So um, I, you're an expert in um, the Bible. Uh, that's my question to you. Well, I, I'm not an expert. I studied a lot, you know, for many years. However. Uh, there are different points of view in the Bible. The translations in English are all terrible. Mm. Uh, however, one does um, wonder about the uh, wars of the gods as it's uh, in all cultures everywhere. And even the ancient, when I was in Australia talking to the Aborigines, they had a tradition of that kind of thing, uh, the wars of the gods. So something happened that affected the human psyche. We may put our own labels on it, mm. but... Uh, but I think your your point, Dina, about uh, this happening, you know, after the creation of man rather than before, is a very good point. Why would it be so present in all of our cultures, in one form or another, whether it be the Bible or the uh, the, the uh, Indian uh, legends, you know, in, in, from India, you know, the uh, uh, Harab, Harab, um, 
Correct. I'm seeing your moment here. Mahabharata. Oh, yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was, I was I was trying to figure out what you were saying. For some okay. reason, it, yeah. I had Hammurabi stuck yeah. in my head. Yeah, yeah your Sanskrit <laughs> is rusty. So um, uh, these are all questions. Um, another point would be uh, that um, I myself have had physical uh, conflict on two occasions with what we thought were de- we, we called demons at the time, You know, which, which I think is pretty much our term. I think their theology... Such as it is, might be, you know. I think they they, they will make it uh, parallel our own if they can get food from it and you know, push buttons and get us all upset, mm. that sort of thing. And, uh, and this is again one we referred to many times on the show. 1974, the Bridgeport, uh, Connecticut poltergeist case. <clears throat> I was a seminary student uh, working with a priest and Ed Lorraine Warren uh, at the time, and uh, th- this. I was the only one in the house with the family, and these things, four of them arrived. Uh, you could see these gauzy structures. I refer to it as gauzy kind of, kind of things. But when when I pushed against one, it had a physical body that we really couldn't entirely see. So the notion of, the, of, of these things being able to take physical form or coming from a world where they do have physical form into ours is very real to me. Uh, these are things I'll never forget. So... Uh, that really struck me in 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 your book too, Dina. Was the uh, yeah I, I've seen this, yeah I've felt this in in, in a way. Now the, this thing didn't have an advertising agency, but it was there, you know, making a mess out of this house and this kind of thing, and uh, it really confused me because these these things were supposed to be uh, non corporeal entities or spirits. I, I know that's just a a comment. Uh, so in the uh, your your novel in uh, the last one it seems as though um, the wars of uh, the wars of the gods as it were is still going on. Exactly, that's uh, exactly that's uh, really a, a huge inspiration to me because I I seriously with the, the revelation story all of it is are these demons slash fallen angels right here right now. Uh, pretending to be human beings, uh, whipping us into a frenzy one way or another, is is the tribulation about to begin? Um, are these, uh, is Lucifer, I mean, uh, again, to, to go back to this timeline thing, which I'm really kind of st- stuck with, uh, in Genesis, okay, they got kicked out of Eden because Satan tempted them, with uh, the apple or pomegranate or whatever fruit you, you want to say it was. And if the, wait a minute, if the Lucifer wasn't kicked out of heaven at that point, because we find out later he was still going there in Job, then who was the snake that got them kicked out of Eden? And uh, again, in Reve- Revelation is the end of the book. It's the end of the story. It's... um the climax of the entire book, so to speak. It's um, the resolution of the book. Why is that story at the end of the book? Uh, again, is that, did it not happen? It was written in past tense. Did it not happen and it's going to happen in the future? Uh, I guess that's where I kind of go in a circle round and round. Is that what is happening now? Are are we being invaded by demons? And, uh, you know, not to get too off the topic, but um, this whole, I, I don't know if you guys heard about that one rapper, um, 
Travis Scott, I believe his oh, name yeah. was. Uh, <laughs> ask me about Bach. I can uh, tell you. I, not, I'm familiar with it, if yeah, it makes right. you feel any better. Uh, well, he, uh, I don't know, I, I don't listen to rap, but I, I am a high school teacher, so I, you know, I know something about him. I certainly don't know one song that he sings. But he supposedly was into devil worshipping. And is this what we're seeing right now? Are we, um, that, uh, another rapper, Lil Nas, okay, or Lil Nas, Lil Nas, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, N-A-S. Uh, he's another one. He has a video out where he's lap dancing with Satan and he has a Nike contracted with him and he has Satan shoes from Nike. So is this what we're getting right now? Are, are, are the, are, do we have fallen angels slash demons walking the earth right now? Have a third of them landed? I guess is my, my biggest question of them all. Well, there's a, there's, there's, uh, there's there's two really important things I want to point out. One, um, the the uh, th- there's nowhere in 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 the Bible anywhere that says that Satan and the devil are the same thing. Nowhere, uh, which is a, which is which is leads to the question of oh who is the snake? Um, church tradition has taught that the snake is death itself. Um, that Sheol being both a thing and not a thing, right? Is is uh, being a place and a and a thing, right? Are are is is death, right? So you know we're not, you know, no, the ancient Israelites weren't stupid. They 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 knew snakes didn't eat dirt, right? But dirt symbolized what we would turn into ash, that it would consume us, right? So he was death itself, and so Satan being Satan or Satan now, depending on how you read it, being the the poison of God, you know, the uh, the almost like the lawyer of God, almost. Functions separately, so there's nowhere that that it says any anything. This is this is where I I always haven't have have a difficulty understanding Western ideas of it because it's like it just it never really is has has come up as like oh well you know there's this whole hierarchy they're all coming for us and whatever it's just kind of like you know the way the way that the the falls the the five ish falls of angels because there's technically five of them um, scattered throughout uh, throughout scripture. The, the really important thing to keep in mind is how ancient people viewed things. They viewed it very differently than we do. How time functioned was very different. How reality was experienced wasn't separate layers. It was all kind of happening at the same time. You know, we as good old modern people like to break out things and say, well, you know, there's political events here. There's, you know, some sort of religious thing that's kind of like tacked on on the end. And, you know, we, there's really, it's just, it's all really just class struggle. And that's thanks to our good old uh, 19th century German historians who came up with that idea that every, all history is the story of class struggle and that kind of stuck, um, whether it's true or not. The, the problem is that, you know, we, we look at history and we try to view it as a science. And that's just not how it is. Right, we try to find the essence of it in a scientific way, which you just can't do. I mean, even Aristotle will tell you that—that that you can't know the essence of events. But what we do know is a subjective experience of it, recorded in various different writings from different, you know, different cultures, and we view it as 21st century Americans, which is just like, oh, <laughs> it's it's just it, it's just we're we're at a tremendous disadvantage. So to think in a different way while reading it. Is 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 really 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 hard to do. But something very important to point out is that 
it doesn't it doesn't say anywhere you know when this stuff happened because it's not really important you know there's a saying from um there was you know there's a 60 minutes uh, episode that was done and it was um it was right after the uh, the dead sea scrolls were found and they went to this this uh mon- i think it was i think it might have been st mary's monastery in like egypt you know they go to egypt and they they find these monks and they're and, you know they had copies of the dead sea scrolls cuz they keep copies of everything right you know w- whether it's useful or not they just kept copies of it cuz you have to keep the the history alive and so they had copies of all of this and they had a copy of the dead sea scrolls and you know the reporter was just like well, didn't this ruin your faith? Like, wh- wh- why you've had this for centuries? Like, why haven't you done anything about it? And the monk just simply said, "Well, it's not profitable to read, so we just don't." <laughs> and and, it, and he, that's that was that was the response. And the reporter was dumbfounded because <laughs> it, because it's true, right? What matters is you know if if there are demons wandering around, you know, cool, great. What matters is are we doing the right thing? Are we doing our best to be good people? Right, you know, there's going to be lowercase g gods everywhere, right? We're building them ourselves with artificial intelligence. You know, it's like the golden calf all over again because humans make the same mistakes all the time, right? That's just the the one thing that hasn't changed in thousands of years is human nature has stayed exactly the same. And the best we can do is just be good people. Well, what more can be said? Agreed. Except. We can ask Dina to talk about her books, where people can find out more. And uh, she has a website or Facebook or whatever. Uh, well, again, thank you uh, so much for having me on. Uh, my website is conspiracycrackpot.com. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. <laughs> my um, blog, I have two blogs, uh, Dina Ray's Write Stuff with a W, uh, dot blogspot.com. I have another blog, um, conspiracycrackpot.home. Uh, I also uh, am on Facebook. I have a Facebook fan page. By all means, um, please give me a like. Totally appreciate it. That's Dina Ray Books, and that's R-A-E. And then I'm on uh, Twitter. My uh, Twitter handle is uh, Peacock Pedestal. That's uh, on Twitter. Uh, I'm also on Pinterest. I'm on Instagram. Uh, I try to, you know, join as, as many as I can. I can't keep up with it because there's always, you know, a, a different site popping up. But um, I, I do try to have a strong media presence, and I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, on a side note, there is another Dina Ray out there. Uh, she is a backup singer for Eminem. Um, that's obviously not me, but um, she's. Uh, I have a another Dina Ray's out there. I'm not a singer, so. <laughs> well, thank you for pointing that out. I was so, wondering why the name sounded familiar too. <laughs> so the book is uh, Peacock's Pedestals and Prayers, Dina Ray. And uh, what's your next book? Uh, hopefully a sequel. I definitely would like to do a sequel and uh, continue on with the Easter House family and, um, again, more fallen angels. I, uh, I Another uh, thing that kind of goes with all of this is uh, the Enochian angel script of, um, you know, the 16th century with Queen Elizabeth and John Dee and Edward Kelly and that kind of cool uh thing and uh that is definitely uh in my plans a lot of amazing material well dina Ray, thank you for being with us today we'll be in touch off the air thank you so much okay 
So let's get to our announcements. Yes, we have plenty, as always. Uh, so I guess we'll start off with uh, this Friday, November 19th, um, as part of the gallery lecture series at the Pine Bush UFO and uh, Paranormal Museum in Crawford, New York. Uh, my dad, or both of us, uh, I, uh, but more, Actually, it's just going to be me. It's, it's going to be you. Yeah. Un- unfortunately, not myself. Uh, work is picking up, and it is very unforgiving yes. <laughs> at this at this point. Um, but my dad will present an in-person program on behind the paranormal. Um, everything you know is wrong, and that's at 8 p.m., uh, and we'll have more details next week. And we'll be at the New England Parafest in Kittery, Maine, which runs from April 10th to the 26th. That's uh, 2022. Uh, not sure just when uh, we'll be on the schedule, but we do plan to do a live broadcast from there, and it's going to be a great event. You know, we got two years' worth of material saved up at this point. So Yes, yes, it's been two years since we had that event, and we're looking forward to 2022 when hopefully all the great events, uh, Exeter UFO Festival, uh, the uh, Greater New England UFO Conference, et cetera, will be back, uh, and hopefully uh, there won't be anything to derail those uh, this time. Yes, so. and everything kind of gets back to normal. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. So anyway, after years of technical problems, uh, all the regular recorded radio broadcasts of Behind the Paranormal from CBS, uh, Achieve Radio, and here on WONAM and FM have been restored in the archives at BehindTheParanormal.com. There are a few straggler specials and, and uh, unbroadcast interviews that we uh, have yet to uh, restore, but almost all of it's there. Uh, that includes the uh, Return to Rendlesham series from 2010, 2011 on CBS Radio, and all related shows along with the Achieve Radio monthly two-hour specials from 2009. Still working on restoring a few others, as I say. Uh, also hear many of these broadcasts on the major podcast platforms, including iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Uh, the, their collection is incomplete, but BehindTheParanormal.com has uh, the uh, fully um, stocked shelves there as far as these uh, past shows are concerned. Mm, indeed. And uh, in addition, our show now has its own app. It's bare bones, but it's free. I mean, what do you want for nothing? Right now... With, it just uh, has our uh, most recent past shows, but we plan to add features as we go. Uh, just uh, go to BehindTheParanormal.com, and you can download the, the link uh, for the app. And it's not in the stores, online uh, app stores just yet, but it will be hopefully uh, soon. You can check out our books along with those of our guest co-hosts at our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com, uh, where you also can find out more about the show, uh, our many cases over the years, our public appearances, and how to book us, along with some of our 900-plus free recorded shows not uh, now restored, as my dad mentioned. Uh, now, our website, uh, BehindTheParanormal.com, also has a charity page. We uh, ask that you check that out. It has links to several good causes we've adopted on the show. And uh, now we've added the uh, more, most recently is the Hope for Hilldale Cemetery in Haverhill, Massachusetts, historical restoration going on <clears throat> with our good friend Tom Spitaleri, who's head of the board there. Uh, other charities include USA Cares, Canadian Veterans Advocacy, Helping Haiti's Orphans. Uh, that's one that's very dear to my heart personally because uh, I've been there. Mm. Uh, Youth Mentoring Connection in Los Angeles, uh, Tony Larray doing great work out there. Uh, the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America, and the Sisterhood of Ground Zero. Now, we know all the people who run these things, and uh, they, you can trust them. Uh, and also the Milk Fund here in northern Rhode Island. Mm. Anybody in our listening area knows about that. Yes. So what do we got for next week, Ben? Well, next week uh, we have a very, a very special show that we, that we got going on. On November 21st, 
Uh, Ray Hernandez of the Consciousness and Contact Research Institute uh, returns to the show to give us the latest on some distinguished scientists uh, who are studying paranormal contact, some of whom have become experiencers themselves. Yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, Ray is always fascinating. Yeah, we haven't had him on in a while. It's been a while. He's, he's, he uh, makes his appearances, uh, his entrance uh, here and there, but the... Uh uh, CCRI, which around here means Community College of Rhode Island. Yeah, uh, it took the, me a while to get used to that acronym. Yeah. <laughs> Consciousness and Contact Research Institute. Anyway, we'll leave you today with a pithy thought from Helen Keller, who, of course, was blind and had uh, her other senses very much heightened. Quote, people often have no idea how fair the flower is to the touch, nor do they appreciate its fragrance, which is the soul of the flower. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. And thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey. And we shall see you next time on Behind the Paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben E.